Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists, and ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Lopercaro, and this episode's guest is Jaws of Love. Jaws of Love is the solo project of Kelsey Ayer, one of the founding members of Local Natives. His new record, Second Life, explores big existential questions by way of small, everyday moments. It's about moving through life's phases, even when change is scary and outcomes are uncertain. Starting very high level, essentially, there are three songs on this record that have years, well, numerical years in the title. So you have a thousand mm-hmm. years, five years, and ten or a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Why? Um, <laughs> uh, I, the concept kind of came because all the songs either have the same chord progression or like derived from like a similar chord progression. I always meant for the song, the songs that became five years, a hundred years and a thousand years to be like a three song suite. That was like the concept behind it. And because five years and thousand years have the same chord progression uh but like i ended up figuring out a different melody for a thousand years and and i ended up having a hundred years be i'm just saying like years so much (laughs) like so i mean you wrote the album (laughs) i know i know i know right 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 this is my fault it's my own fault so five years uh i loved how five years went into hundred years and I wanted to make like a seamless double song. And I just kind of came upon these like analogies that based on time that kind of represented how I felt about like this kind of journey with like five years being about trying to have a conversation with an old friend that you've like lost touch with so long ago because of something traumatic that happened and you're trying to build up the courage to talk to that person and then a hundred years talking about how a hundred years ago it was so hard for people to have the simplest forms of communication because of how separate everyone is everyone was and now we're so overly connected that there should be no excuse to try and like just reach out to to someone to talk to them again and uh and then for a thousand years over the pandemic it dawned or i was like reading some random like tidbit about a thousand years ago the the um the average lifespan of a person was 35 years and i learned this in the middle of the pandemic working on this new record 
trying to have a kid. It's not working out. My our whole lives are all like kind of turned upside down and I'm 35. And so like all these that kind of led to me thinking of, oh, is this like next era? Is this is this like my second life? And that's why I kind of framed the album around that idea of like, you know, am I am I I'm trying to become a father. I'm thinking about my parents before me and I'm like trying to start this new thing. So that's it all kind of, I guess, like fits together to me. It does. No, it's, I I mean, we're going to, again, get into this, into this in even more detail as we go, but the through line really is this concept of second life, but kind of plays on that mm-hmm. concept, either in mm-hmm. the very literal sense of, you know, not actual reincarnation, but like life cycles and things changing, um, a, a second child, um, a second chance at reconnecting with a person mm-hmm. from your past. Um yeah, it's, it is really interesting. And it, it's cool also hearing you explain A Thousand Years because that one in Angelica, I think they're probably lyrically some of the most abstract songs on the record mm-hmm. and definitely the ones that feel like super like kind of metaphysical and existential. And so A Thousand Years was definitely the one that stumped me the most. So mm. that makes it make so much more sense. Oh, cool. Um, I guess similarly, because, you know, the first two songs sort of, again, exist in that sort of existential space. Angelica is kind of, I don't know, it's its like the kind of the fragility of life, I guess. Like it doesn't matter whether you're good or bad, like who lives for a certain amount of time, who dies at a certain time in life. Mm. It's all sort of, you know, um, like I guess the way that life or fate or whatever you believe chooses that is kind of fickle and right. arbitrary, right. if you will. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love that take on it. Yeah. yeah. I love just, I, I, I know I come from a certain viewpoint on whatever songs that I write, but I also love when people just have their own interpretations and apply it to their, their lives, how they, how they want. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's such a songs can be such a useful, like emotional tool in that way. Yeah. So given, I mean, I've kind of showed my take, what was your sort of original idea with that song? And Angelica? Yeah. Angelica was kind of written, I guess, in a, in a way of, it, it's definitely not a, a traditional pop structure for a song. And it was kind of a sonic experiment for me. Uh, that was one of the first things I wrote during quarantine uh, because I, I, I wrote and produced a lot of the record by myself, just hold away in my studio. And then when I hit up Danny Reich, who had his studio in Lockhart, Texas, um, you've been to Lockhart? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you you just spent a bunch of time in Austin? I was living in Dallas. So you were not in even Dallas. the cool one. Mm, okay, Nobody gotcha, from gotcha. Dallas get mad at me. But okay. <laughs> I stand by my opinion. <laughs> well, so yeah, I went out to Lockhart to work with Danny for like uh, a week. That was the first time that the record really kind of took its form. Um, but Angelica was, it was more of like a... I love this chord progression. I just want to hear it like over and over again. And then I had um, this kind of mantra-ish thing. Uh, and now, because and then I took that that was in English and I turned it into Spanish. Uh, I had uh, Mark Nieto's, uh, uh, that's Combat. Uh, his girlfriend is from Peru. So I had expert help. 
because I'm not fluent in Spanish. You didn't just Google Translate. It. No, I, I didn't. I didn't. I, I got I got some expert opinions and expert translation because I wanted it to be right. Uh, I, I'm 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 I guess self conscious in a way of like I don't want to disrespect Spanish speaking people. I'm a mixed race person. My mom's from Colombia. My dad's white. Um, and while I'm pretty at peace with the fact that like I'm never gonna be uh, uh, Colombian enough or Spanish speaking enough to 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 be like truly a part of that culture a hundred percent. I think all, lots of mixed race people just know life as like you're like in between or you're like you're you're not ever gonna be the perfect definition of of anything. You're just a unique you know vessel for whatever is the mix of that the beautiful cool mix that you are. Uh, so I'm I'm good with that. I'm cool with that. I, I still love to learn how to speak fluent Spanish, um, but I know uh, I know some, and uh, and I felt like okay, well I do want to connect a bit more to my Colombian roots, and that felt like a cool way to do that, or a, a, um, a natural way for me to do that. I've never sung anything in Spanish before. Mm. Um, but the phrase is, um, when waking up, uh, I only know it in Spanish Something about now. an eye twitching. No, no, no. It's, I, it's, I Googled um, this I, and I forgot to write oh, it down. Oh, really? Okay. I Google translate. Oh, I wonder what that says. So, so I, I tried to translate, um, uh, when waking up, there may be a slight ringing in your ears. Oh yeah. Not a twitch ringing in mm-hmm. your ears. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and angelica it there's it's kind of like um me having a conversation with a fictional person about how change is just really hard and change is just really difficult and uncomfortable at first but like everything you just get used to it and then things are better than they were uh hopefully that's how the direction for what changes in your life, ideally, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good, mostly a good good changes. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that one that one definitely gets out there, and I'm so pumped on a lot of the production stuff and sounds that I really weird sounds I got in my studio that it was just like experimenting with different things and um different like voice pitched up stuff. There's like a Titanic. I, I call them uh, <laughs> Titanic flutes. Uh, you know oh, the, God. you know the. So I always think of that when I think of this one sound that kind of comes in through the song, and and then there's this like this cool fucked up delay thing at the end that's like my favorite sound on the album. Yeah. Uh, I love this thing so much, and uh, I'm slightly paranoid that it's too low in the mix, but I think. That is fine. Sometimes things need to be a bit low in the mix just to add that little bit of sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, I can't hear um, that uh, the My Heart Will Go On flute without immediately thinking. There's a viral video that's kind of recycled from time to time. I think some, I'm guessing a kid, it's mostly the audio that's viral, 
of someone playing it on a recorder, but playing it as horribly as humanly possible. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's the best video ever. It's like, nee, 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 nee. Oh, great. That sounds so good. I'll have to send it to you. It's, it's spectacularly bad. Wonderful. Um, I want to hear it. It's everyone. It's that's the best kind of thing, though. We yeah. love things that sound like a mess. But going back to something you were saying before about this, like you know, change, hopefully pointing towards a good thing. You know, the final line of this song is "But the future's brightness always starts from there." So I think what you said kind of explains that a little more now. Like it's still mm. ending on a hopeful note, despite some of the more like kind of macabre and imagery right. that exists in the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, that is, I'm glad that that's a takeaway for sure. Yeah, it's nice to see again. I, I almost don't know where I'm going with this. I kind of do. Like, I mean, we all talk about like difficult, heavy topics in our music. It's important and crucial to do so, but it's nice to see that people aren't like sort of waiting and romanticize waiting in and romanticizing like the sad stuff the way that i feel like people have in the past like i feel like that's changing a lot in music like it's not about again romanticizing something macabre it's sort of like trying to unpack it and grapple with it but Mm. not be like oh i'm so sad i'm a sad artist and i'm just Mm -hmm. sad all the time okay (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, like you're saying in the past, it used to be something that was like to to aspire to, to be like exactly a, yeah. like a struggling, uh, like insane, like uh, artist who's just really damaged and fucked up and exactly yeah. yeah. And again, it creates this whole like lore around it that I just don't think is fair even to artists themselves because it mm-hmm. just forces you to stay in this kind of trap space. Whereas, like again, this song and I think this record as a whole is just asking questions trying to grapple with the weird heavy stuff that happens in life and being like okay well where do we go from here and how do we keep growing and keep changing and keep being okay yeah i would love for people to take that away from this album that sounds so great yeah well i did so far great so so (laughs) that's my take um we talked a little bit about five years and a hundred years and this again second life in the sense of a second chance there's a third song that sort of touches on this, which is Rachel Takes a Bath. At least that's the sense that I got. It's, yeah. again, asking, like, should I reach out to this person? Will I ever have the guts to do it, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I love I love uh, records with recurring themes, and I was trying to do that with this, with this one. And Rachel Takes a Bath, it was just, there was a... I had this chord progression, and then I, I, this phrase just, Rachel Takes a Bath, came out. And uh, I try not to make it awkward because Mel and I have a bunch of friends named Rachel, like best friends named Rachel. Cool. There's like three of them, and I, I kept tell, I kept like telling them like I swear like this is not about any of you, um, but uh, you know apologies if this makes things weird for you. It's a two syllable name. It fits in a melody. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's serving a purpose. Okay, for, for sure. And it you know it's it's a. It became this um, fictional story of a woman in, who's like taking a bath, trying to relax and trying to and, and then kind of like contemplating her whole life, like just through through one like kind of night by herself and uh, using um, bath salts as an analogy. I was I was having a lot of fun, like researching things for this record and, and trying to come up with material to write about and 
I learned that like 120,000 years ago, it's just like years all over this fucking album. I yeah. don't know what's going on, but uh, 120,000 years ago, the Dead Sea totally dried up and everyone was like, oh, it's like, it's over. I don't know what everyone said, like in the Bible times, like they're talking about it. I don't know. <laughs> the, you don't the, have the transcript. Right, right. We don't know. We don't know what they're saying. But I think that the, so the, the Dead Sea was like nothing for a while and then like rebuilt itself. Like I, I think it's like stuff kind of, uh, it somehow water came back. I don't know how that happened, but I was just thinking like if you had like a can of bath salts and you saw that it was from the Dead Sea and. And, and so she's wondering if this was the bath salt second life right now, being in her bath, like hanging out with her. And uh, yeah, I just kind of, she starts t- kind of thinking of, you know, if she could start over. And I love, I love like songs where you're really contemplating, like if you could, if you could start again and start over. And cause it's, I feel like everyone is always like at that spot multiple times in their life where they're like, oh, it would be great to restart. Yeah. I mean, we're human. Asking these kind of questions is annoyingly normal. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. We go back through the things that we got wrong or that life itself just kind of made wrong for us in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was interesting, too, because, again, even though it's this concept of, you know, a lost connection with a friend, it again goes into back into that big existential question, especially on five years and a hundred years. One sort of looks more towards the past. And again, like you mentioned before, like once upon a time, people didn't have the technology. Mm-hmm. And like, if they could see us now, they'd be like, what the hell is wrong with you? Right, you know, totally. like, yeah. it's like there was, I, I wrote that on the line and I'm gonna find where I wrote it. Cause I write in really small font. Oh yeah, it was the, the days, the weeks, the months, the years to say hello or goodbye, much less to apologize how many died in the crossing. Mm-hmm. I really like that record, or not that record, that lyric, because it just, again, it showed the weight of, you know, to be able to do anything yeah. at the time. You know, I feel like also like half the great like adventure stories or love stories from eras of, of the past were based around stuff like that. It's like trying to get to someone who was far away because that was just normal. Totally. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's, I'm glad you like that line. Awesome. Yeah. I was pumped on that line. It's a pretty yeah. good one. Ah, cool. You did a good job. <laughs> oh, great. But yeah, like again, whereas that one looks backwards, I think five years kind of looks forwards in the, again, similarly existential way of like, you know, like if the, you know, the big one, the big earthquake, mm-hmm, we live mm-hmm. in LA don't happen i just moved here right um you know like if that were to happen and we were all to go kaput um like would you regret that you hadn't connected with this person it's the again the age-old question of if you were to look back on your life and see all the decisions you made would you be happy with them essentially yeah Yeah, totally Mm. so just kind of unpacking it from multiple angles essentially Mm -hmm. which is a good thing um I think now's a good time to go through some of the outliers slash songs that I couldn't quite put my finger on and just want to learn more about. So with that, tell me about Staple Gun. Well, that's like super like a wild, just like I the- I, I wanted to, I, I feel like there's so many newer artists now that are so they they don't they don't really care about genre and they're not trying to make everything sound the same and they, and they're just like having fun with their how they're expressing themselves 
and I really wanted to do that with this record. I know it's still like within a certain within certain parameters of of like chillness or certain parameters of like emotion, but Staple Gun was this really fun experiment to really let loose and go wild in the studio. And that was a total like me and Danny and and combat um, experiment that just we morphed into this really weird sculpture of a song Yeah, uh, that uh, it is maybe like the hardest to explain. We like that sometimes though. Like it's, yeah. I love a good weird experimental moment. It almost feels like a, a quasi interlude on the record. It's got some lyrics, but the right. lyrics don't take very much up within the song. Right. It's like almost industrial at times. Like mm-hmm. it's just, again, it's yeah. just like wonderfully weird. I really got into this artist, this Italian artist um, named Io Sonancane. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, that's Io Sonancane, as yeah. in like I am a dog. Maybe. Is that what that means? Do you speak Italian? A little bit. Oh, I am shit. Italian. Oh, shit. Oh, right. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, well, he, he just put out a record. He put out a record last year uh, called IRA. And it's just really like long, super dark, fucked up tones, uh, emotional record that's all in Italian. But it sounds like, uh, uh, I'm going to say this, this, this soundtrack producer dude. Ennio Morricone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I you said it correctly. Okay, great. <laughs> You're doing a very good job oh, with the great. Italian. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Uh, and yeah, it's very soundscapey, but it's very dark and cold and, and, and like and like dismal. And I really got into that record. And, and I, I feel like I, I, I owe Staple Gun specifically to, to him because there was like a bunch of like dark moments over the the electronic drums and stuff that that i i was super inspired by him to do before we get to i think the sort of like biggest theme of this record i want to take a stop by guard and prisoner this one actually is another one that stumped me because it is very like abstract in a very beautiful way but my my kind of analysis brain got a little stumped um and of course it's also the only collaboration on mm-hmm. on the record with Amatola mm-hmm. who is fantastic so oh, thanks yeah i mean i got to see her perform with you at one of the uh, human soup events which oh, was very yeah. cool yeah. yeah that was really fun yeah she's got an awesome voice too but yeah so i guess tell me a little bit about that one and its place on the record especially sitting with all of the other songs Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so that song uh, was written uh, kind of about depression, how it can kind of have its hold on you despite if, even if everything's going well in your life, like it can still like get you. And uh, and the idea of like uh, sky is guard and sun is prisoner, like the idea of like you feeling like you, all the negatives, uh, not negative, as a negative or positive but like you just have you're like free but in your mind you're 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 captured you're you're in a prison of some sort of your own making because like you i feel like depression does that to you where you even even the the greatest things that are happening you can spin into something them being horrible or and it and it's this it's this thing i think everyone can has relate can relate with that even yeah you're you're only as strong as your 
as your own perspective on on something um so yeah so that i was like in a kind of lonely spot uh i was on a i was on a writing trip uh actually with local natives at the time this was a song that i tried to get on violet street Wait, is uh, this our fourth record for was local this when natives. you guys were in france or because i remember no, us talking we, about that last we, time we were in mexico for like a month um working on stuff and uh most people love tropical places and uh I, uh, <laughs> I'm allergic to um, bug bites and mosquito bites and stuff, and, and they eat me alive. So I was just holing away in this like one room uh, where all, everyone else was at the beach, like enjoying the sun and stuff. And I was just kind of like watching the killing on Netflix and uh, just like having like coron- coronitas. It was like mini coronas. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just by myself. And it's just a very lonely time that I wasn't very happy. And it's this thing where you're literally in paradise and you're and you can't find find joy. And it's it's a it was a interesting spot to be in. And this song kind of came came together. Um, and it actually Ryan and Taylor helped with the song. Taylor helped with some melody stuff and Ryan uh, helped with some lyrics. So they have a co-writing credit on this. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I loved the song. It didn't work out for local natives, and I totally turned it around with Danny because it was like a completely different vibe uh, before. Uh, but I'm so glad I got to resurrect this one. Uh, I'm really glad that this this new Jaws of Love record, ninety uh, percent of it is all songs written and intended for Jaws of Love. Uh, and I, I really needed that purposeful um, direction for, for the songs and to really feel like this record um, kind of ascended into like what I want Jaws of Love to be. Because the first record was like half local native reject songs, half other little bits that I had in my pocket. Um, this, but this song is the only song that was, uh, was from, from local natives that didn't work out. Um, but yeah, that's basically everything about that one. Yeah. And I mean, it's important to have something that's yours as well. Like, I mean, it's very clear to me that you have very understandably, like, so much love and respect for everything that you do with local natives. Like, mm-hmm. it rings, I mean, even when I've seen you perform, you're always, like, very happy to reference it. But simultaneously, while it's wonderful to be part of something collective and bigger than you, it's also nice to simultaneously have something that is really truly yours and is retrofitted to you as an individual artist too. Yeah. Like it's, it's cool that you get to have both experiences. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, it seems the older I get, the more, um, I, I really want to grow in different ways as an artist and, um, within the, within the structure of, of local natives, it's just hard to do that um because you're you're linked uh uh to to the other members and the common goal is to ascend as a group and so it makes it a little bit challenging to ascend like kind of on your own so i needed uh years ago i realized i needed to have jaws of love to to express myself and have this 
this other this other branch growing off of this tree of my songwriting tree of your songwriting tree <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean obviously there's the songwriting tree i feel like there's now like some weird comedy branches starting to poke out as well they in their are, own ways yeah you but, used to have the podcast there's human soup for a bit and mm-hmm. i've got to see your sketch routines which yeah. are wonderfully absurd in oh, all the best you. ways it, so you've you've definitely in in multiple ways carved out some space for yourself and allowed yourself to be more than one thing which is healthy and good yeah thanks i i mean i i i'm super stoked that i a, a lot it was a lot of the of quarantine the pandemic that allowed me to to spend time on these other things that i wouldn't have ever i don't think spent time on if if every if the world was just on the course that it was for so long um so i don't know i i it really has taught me to be open with life and just open with uh being open to whatever gets thrown at you to to figure out or just appreciate what's what's going on and appreciate new opportunities yeah um so i'm 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 pretty i'm pretty happy with the with the work output that's been like the last few years um but especially really really excited about this new jaws of love record because i've always wanted it to have the time the same time and and respect and the same like um all these things afforded to local natives albums where we we take our time we we really dive so deep into these records to to try to get them to ascend to the level we want them to and for the first time for jaws of love i feel like i've been able to personally do that with this new record yeah well, it shows. It's a really rich record, and I Thank really you. just enjoyed kind of getting to sit in the soundscapes of it. I've also just been having like a very stressful few weeks, so it's been nice to kind of have something to just, again, just sort of sit in and mm. feel like that, not not spaced out, because it's still something you want to engage with, because there's a lot of obviously really strong narratives, but again, it's just a very soothing kind of soundscape to cool. be. Yeah. to get to live in for a bit well i like some of the stuff that you were just saying about you know learning to let i guess whatever happens in life come your way or at least you know as best as any of us can be be flexible with what's coming because mm-hmm. i think the next three songs that we're going to discuss i mean in in some in heavier senses and some in lighter senses sort of deal with that um one of course which i think is kind of probably one of if not the most important song on this record which is rainbow baby mm-hmm. um Starting before we get into, again, the direct like story behind it, one thing I thought that was really interesting is, you know, especially we talked about the more abstract songs on this record, this is probably the one that lyrically is the most literal and the most transparent, but simultaneously, the first about two-thirds of the song are done with a vocoder, mm-hmm. which I thought was a really interesting contrast. So can you kind of talk to me a little bit about that and like the kind of motivation behind that? Yeah, I, I mean, I was really excited to manipulate my voice in different ways on this record and there is kind of a a flip of the coin with uh with this song and the story and it just it just kind of worked out that like we lived in this we were trying to have the song live in this like synthy vocoder robot world uh, uh, which like based in like the future or something, future leaning something, and then, 
And then, you know, when the story takes a turn and I learn that I lose the baby, um, cause the, cause if you haven't heard it, Rainbow Baby is about, um, my wife and our first failed, uh, pregnancy. Cause we, we had two, two pregnancy losses over the pandemic. Um, but once I kind of like learned that, that it wasn't going to work out, then it kind of reality sets in and, and all the, any of the, most of the synths, robot voice, all this stuff goes away and it's just kind of like in the present, in the cold present moment or something. Um, but I mean, I, I, I really, I really enjoy like, sim- like if you can do something in its, in its simplest form and to just have that little switch and, and divide the song into, into these two places just felt felt good to me to do um but yeah i wanted i wanted the two halves to feel different so in my quest for voice manipulation it just kind of came came out to use a a vocoder and it's like it's like a vocoder and like other layered like tuned vocals and it's just kind of this like amalgamation of different of different things that I'd never done before which I was really stoked on from a production level yeah I also remember well if I remember correctly as it kind of switches from the section with the more again layered vocals and vocoder to the section where it's really just your voice it almost kind of fades away rather than being like a a switch if Mm -hmm. I remember right Mm -hmm. which I thought was cool like even though it would also be very interesting to have like in a kind of an abrupt change Mm. it's almost like the effects kind of melting away which was kind of cool yeah from like a technical perspective Mm -hmm. yeah thanks yeah yeah I mean that again like Danny really helped me bring that to life I mean this whole this whole record I'm super indebted to to he's such a talented engineer and mixer and producer and so i was he really helped me elevate the whole thing Mm -hmm. um but yeah we we made that all in lockhart uh a lot of the other songs we worked on later but that one really came together like so quickly because i think the chord progression is just moving so much that it doesn't need a ton of other accompaniment and we just had some really fun like like little not mistakes but little like unexpected lines that kind of came through as we were working on it that day and uh yeah just that that one came together kind of the quickest because i just had that one written and like ready to go like some some songs come in all sorts of different forms to the studio usually so and and then some songs you know have all lyrics and all melodies written and some songs are like one idea you experiment with in the studio but rainbow baby was like ready to go and so that made it really come together really quickly yeah well continuing from there i thought it was really interesting that tarot cards comes directly after it because as as we do with tarot cards you know it's about reading the future it's you know these ideas of being afraid of what cards are gonna come next, you know, you're afraid to get the death card. I'm personally very terrified of the tower card. Um, mm-hmm. They're all like cards that signify change, but we often see as just signifying bad, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, you know, after any of us go through something difficult and we're kind of in that like limbo period of like before we kind of get to what's next, 
it is kind of a weird place to be in, like to kind of grapple with, okay, how am I going to move on? And I'm scared of what's next. And Mm -hmm. it felt, so it kind of felt interesting that that song was where it was in the record. Mm. I never considered that, but uh, I should just agree with you and say, yeah, I'm a genius (laughs) and I'm so uh, good at placing songs uh, (laughs) in the right order. I mean, hey, I wouldn't put it past you. You know what you're doing. You've been you've been in the game for a minute. I ha- I have been in the game, but I, it's it's funny because I like I never I never thought of it like that. But that makes so much sense, and that's so wonderful that like I don't know. You work on records for so long, and you're just you're you're trying to come from a perspective, and you're working as hard as you can to imbue the song with a message that you want to put out into the world but no matter what the listener is going to take away what they want to and so often the the listener like fills in things for you or the listener like pushes the album even like further and that's so like cool that i i just like I I am stoked that that song is after Rainbow Baby because that that does make so much sense and I I was so scared like after that happened and 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 it it just that song kind of came from I was just I had this melody I really loved and and then I I don't know Mel and I she's always talking about um, not tarot cards specifically but like uh, um, astrology. Uh, and and I don't know. We got to this topic of like I have no idea what there's tarot cards are such a mystery to me, and the the idea that the the Grim Reaper can be on a card and it can be a good thing is like such a mind fuck. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a little so, bit. Yeah. So I, I kind of ran with that idea, um, but yeah, that's that's great. I'm, I feel like that that one worked out. And actually, that has another um, feature from my one of my best friends growing up. His name's Adam Olivieri, and he he does some like harmonies with me on that song, and and then Mark Combat uh, does stuff on that song too. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's funny. I think I remember this from the last episode that I spoke with you, which was when we were talking about the uh, Sour Lemon EP, but. And the reason I remember this is because it's something that's come up again and again in other episodes with other artists, which was this idea of, I think, what I called like a subconscious concept album, where it's just mm. like, I mean, we've we've obviously talked about this at length so far. Like, it's a lot of the themes in here are very intentionally placed. Like, again, years that you put right, in, right, right. in this record, yeah. quite a lot, you know? But I think even within that, there's also like the mix of the things that were consciously added subconsciously added the things that you know the audience then kind of fills in their own interpretations right. with yeah. later but you know it's interesting how things that you wouldn't expect to sort of tie in end up tying in and also again for whatever parts of this may have been subconscious versus coming from other people's interpretations like you know, when you write something during a certain period of time of your life, it's very normal that whatever themes are happening in your life are going to come through the music you make in some capacity. Right. You know? Well, I, I think we love to imbue uh, meaning with, with like anything that we can. And, and not to say that, that that meaning is valuable, but like 
the, I mean, the, the world is, is just this like chaos of like all these atoms mashing together. And we, I think just love to try and make sense of that any, any way we can. And so to have something like an album where you're, you're putting up so much like imagery against like like these chords and melodies and music and you're you're like it's like a firework display of all this all this like all these ideas and all these all these like maybe like analogies and metaphors and and things that could like click into something that clicks into another thing and that's what's just so fun with an album because you're throwing it out all all on the listener and then it's like all these puzzle pieces or or like maybe like Legos, like you're throwing all these Legos and, and then like someone can just like create anything that they want. Yeah. All these like beautiful Lego pieces, you know, and they, they can just like they can be anything. And it's 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 so cool. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's I think it's one of the most magical parts of music is, again, that symbiotic relationship and how, mm-hmm. again, meanings grow and evolve as they get passed from the creator to the listener and and just all of it. Well, the last thing I want to touch on is the closing song, which directly kind of ties back to Rainbow Baby. And that mm-hmm. song, of course, is the heist. And, you know, I guess the idea of, you know, during pregnancy and I, I can kind of like, I've seen this from a distance in that like I have other people amongst like family and friends who've also experienced pregnancy loss. And I know like you're kind of, you get to that point where if it's happened before and you're expecting again, you're kind of counting the weeks like to where you get to a certain threshold totally. point. Yeah. And this song seems to sort of deal with that, mm-hmm. that point. And it's like, not only are we gonna make it this time, but this, I don't know, there's a lot of grappling with like fate and like if it's made to work out or for somehow like tricking, tricking the system or something. Right, right, yeah. I mean, you're, you're just, I think at that point you are like any you're you're you were you were in a spot where you never thought it would happen to you and then it does and then we're pregnant again and then we're like okay well how far like when can we feel at ease uh and and it was literally like the day before uh the, if we if we, if we, if we still were pregnant the the following morning we would have been one day farther than the last pregnancy that failed and and i and i wrote all the lyrics in that night uh literally looking at melanie uh and yeah i we you don't know if it's going to work out and you're just you are questioning everything constantly and even right now we're we're 29 weeks pregnant and everything is looking great so that feels awesome knock on wood wear some wood there's some wood frame in here probably damn it that's laminate this is this is what y'all i'll knock on your behalf i'm knocking on your behalf (laughs) yeah and everything's feeling good and and um but i i really don't feel like until he's like in our arms that we're gonna really feel any sort of um, like sigh of relief or something. And then I talk to parents that say that once you have a kid, you can never sleep like a peaceful night again. Uh, so 
god damn it it's all it's all just it's all just shit from here uh, i guess <laughs> all but, downhill um, <laughs> from here the second life is not going to be as fun as the uh, first one. yeah i my uh my brother-in-law they had a, a baby uh and uh he he's he's super super cool and he was saying how him and his other uh f- other father friends uh just describe it as like as it gets more challenging, it gets more rewarding. And it just kind of, it didn't, and, and both things just kind of go up and up and up and they, they're, they're just correlated to where they're just like lockstep. And I definitely know that challenging things in my life th- that work out do feel like so rewarding. So I am looking forward to that. Second Life is available now wherever you normally get your music. This podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by myself, Sophia Lobercaro, and the artwork is by Meg Wilford. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in Bigger Than Ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.